0: history, there have been many tall tales that have come to be accepted as common sense and fundamentally true. You might be familiar with some of them already. How the rich deserve not just wealth, but absurd levels of it. How meritocracy supposedly works uh, in deeply unequal societies. Or how the invisible hand of the free market is Basically, God, since it's the answer that shuts down any plea or proposal to improve society somewhat. But today, my darlings, I'd like to suggest something a bit more unique for your refined palate. A case of Eastern European brain rot, if you will. It's the story of how former members of the Romanian communist secret services introduced into the public discourse the idea that both them and the dictator they had been propping up were somehow the misunderstood good guys in the country's recent past. I call it a sort of snapification of history, a sprinkled with a heady mix of QAnon-like spices. An attempt to excuse a lifetime of abusive behavior by pointing to a supposedly noble sacrifice or sentiments through conspiracy-laden world-building and a reliance on the supernatural. Now, this is going to be a somewhat convoluted story, but bear with me because I think, I think it will be worth it. about to describe is one that is particularly familiar to my teenage self. It takes the shape of strangers' kitchens, halls, or even living rooms. Here, a bunch of adults, and sometimes kids like me, hello, would be awkwardly waiting their turn to witness the oftentimes inexplicable actions of someone they believed possessed a gift. The 90s and early 2000s were the era of the traveling gurus in Romania. Before they were able to rent out concert halls or event venues for their seminars, meditation sessions and courses, all sorts of spiritual healers and teachers would rely on the hospitality of a chosen family in various cities and towns across the country. Marketing was done through word of mouth almost exclusively, and people would queue up for said services in the hosting family's flat. Now, these commie block-dwelling gurus were a very mixed crowd. Some good-natured and with noble intentions, although deeply delusional. Some narcissists trying their hand at the craft before establishing a cult. And some were grifters, pure and simple. However, there was this other very distinct group, former members of the dreaded Securitate, the Romanian secret services during the communist regime. As I followed my parents on their spiritual searches or (laughs) fumblings, I couldn't help but notice that every other Tom, Dick and Harry that advertised some special link to higher heavenly powers used to work for these fuckers. And to add insult to injury, they weren't even trying to hide it. In fact, it was kind of a selling point. I found it rather puzzling, and thinking about it now quite infuriating, because my parents and just about all adults who've lived through the tail end of Ceausescu's regime talked about the Secret Service as the most effective and feared form of control during those years. So why were they so cool with entrusting them with their health or even intimate details now? Before the 1989 revolution, people generally assumed that securitate agents or informers could be anywhere, and the randomness of their interrogations or straight-up intimidation, a randomness both in terms of their subjects and of the nature of the infractions they were going after, added to their not-to-be-messed-with reputation. So the question I asked myself was when and how these people managed to launder their public image in such a way, and who was behind it? Because by the time my parents were visiting traveling gurus in strangers' flats, the image of the patriotic and stoic Securitate agent working behind the scenes to help out his fellow countrymen against the machinations of the global elites was already a popular trope among members of older generations. And on top of that, there was all this palaver about astral planes and psychotronic attacks and aliens, like, bro, what was everyone smoking? It is at this exact point that I can finally introduce our main character, because one cannot talk about the mental gymnastics that resulted in the redemption of the former secret services and its introduction into the New Age spiritual circuit, without mentioning the guy some dubbed the Romanian James Bond... (sighs) Although it'd probably be more accurate to call him the Ian Fleming of Romania because despite his attempts to craft an image of his younger self as a mysterious action man, he was mostly a pencil pusher who liked to smell his own farts. You know, kind of like that other guy for the east. Uh, Ladies, gents, and those who wish to keep their options open in terms of identifiers, I give you the intoxicating mix of Alex Jones, Jordan B. Peterson, and bargain bin spy novelist that was Pavel Koruz. As you might have figured by now, growing up in Romania in the 90s was rather interesting. The Iron Curtain and the communist regimes behind it were done and dusted. More importantly, however, the usual bit where adults would teach us clueless urchins how the world was supposed to work and what the rules were was on hold for a hot second. It was one of those rare moments when one gets to be a toddler discovering the world at the same time with one's parents, and all that head-scratching and shoulder-shrugging made a lot of people look for answers in strange places. Some, like my mom, turned to what had helped them cope with life up until then – books. Over the years, a taste for novels turned into interest for books on the topic of spirituality and self-help. As the weirdness of post-revolutionary Romania rolled on, our library at home started filling up with the works of a certain Pavel Koruz. My mom would habitually bring up that name at the dinner table and when chatting with friends. And after a few years, she bought me a self-help book tailored to a teenage audience by the man himself. But who was this guy, and how did he end up as one of the best-selling authors in the country in the early 90s? By his own accounts, he was a simple boy who dreamt of sailing the high seas one day which he managed to do by 1971 when he enrolled in the Navy. A few years down the line, he was recruited as part of a counter-espionage division of the Secret Services, and this experience is what gave him the street cred later on as an ex-spy writer who would let his readers in on some secrets by sprinkling his books with QAnon-like clues. But before that could happen, some serious shit had to go down. A face să dispare de pe pământul pachea dictatura și tirania. Există spitale de mizerii, nu? Situația s-a agravat în ultimele minute și este necesar sprijin In December 1989, action man and agent extraordinaire Pavel Kurutz was not roaming the streets, either participating in or trying to suppress the revolution. In fact, in an interview he gave several years later, he admitted that he had spent the entire decade preceding the regime change growing increasingly despondent, isolating himself from the world around him and absorbed in his studies of parapsychology. So much so that his superiors began worrying for his mental state. Now, whether that was true or just a way for Korutz to swat away any questions about his involvement in the bloody events of the revolution remains unclear. What we do know is that whatever team he was part of was not on the winning side. Well, they weren't losers either, so don't worry, but their rivals had arguably won more. It's a bit messy, but I'll try to explain. Think of the Eastern block as less of a solid block and more like a Swiss cheese, with each hole pulling away in its own direction. As the communist countries went through two distinct stages. The first one, between 1944 and 1965, was influenced by internationalism, although in many ways it was a continuation of regional politics under a different guise, with Russia, now as the Soviet Union, as the meddling big brother, installing and propping up communist regimes in its sphere of influence. Now, the second stage, which lasted until 1989, began as national political elites that had hitherto received their cues from Moscow, wanted to do communism their own damn way, or even do less of it, or not at all, thank you very much. This development came to be known as Nationalist Communism. And I don't need to tell you this, but adding nationalism into any already unstable mix is not exactly going to calm things down. The way this ties into our story is that even before Ceaușescu came to power, the Romanian Communist Party leaders were keen to do a John Lennon and shake off the USSR. I guess in this context, nationalism would be yoko? Anyway, apparatchiks that had been trained in Moscow or were of foreign descent were treated with increasing suspicion and eventually removed from agencies or roles considered to be high-risk or vital for the stability of the regime. The Romanian Communist Party was training and promoting people with undivided loyalties. It was RCP or BUS, baby. People like Coruz were the result of a wider effort by the local political elite to rewrite reality, history, and even the nation's self-perception according to a simple and also familiar principle. Romania, Uberales, or Decia first. For those of you wondering, it's not this Asia, but rather this, and the people who inhabited roughly the territory we now know as Romania back in ancient times. Now, what other group of people that we know of really enjoys mythology and a make-believe version of their history? Hmm, hold this idea of mythology for a minute, we'll get back to it. Anywho, what you need to take away from all this is that there were diplomatic bust-ups not just between the Soviet Union and its satellite states, but also factional wars within various agencies and organizations in Romania. And what some argued, including Koruts, was that in 1989, as the Ceausescu's were executed, the Kremlin backed gang had won, as Ion Iliescu, a man molded in Moscow, became the first non elected president of a new democratic Romania. It was weird, don't ask. What happened next, again according to former Secret Service agents, was that the Securitate was demonized. <gasps> The very instrument of repression that the regime had used to clamp down on dissent had had its otherwise pristine image ruined by being accused of shooting its own citizens during the events of December 1989. And it was exactly this kind of indignity that Agent Korut stepped in to rectify, as he rebranded himself as a journalist and wrote under a pen name which also used for a character in one of his spy novels, further blurring the line between conspiracy and fiction. Throughout the early 90s, Corruz was a contributor at a number of newspapers, among them Nazionia, an ultra-nationalist that was financed by Yosef Constantin Dragan, a Romanian emigre living in Italy and well-known for his neo-fascist views. But his stint in journalism was short-lived when he discovered he was much more effective in winning over hearts and minds through his books. He started off with fiction, publishing his first novel, The Broken Quintet, in 1992. Churning out content at a frightening pace, he developed a sort of CCU, koruts Cinematic Universe, through which, under the guise of it's just fiction you guys, ring wink, nudge-nudge, he slowly introduced a series of poisonous ideas into the public discourse. Essentials. What do you need to start cooking? Well, a hero is a must, of course. Petre Varain might not exactly be a superhero, but he's no gadget and charm-reliant James Bond either. The man is a walking-talking, psychotronic weapon on a mission. Oh, and what is psychotronics? Um, whatever the fuck our hero needs it to be, hello? But mostly it's mind-control powers. Varain is a sort of elite. In fact, what Kurutz and his former colleagues turned traveling gurus soul to their audience was the idea that they were all endowed with such powers. Although, unlike our boy Petre, who got his powers from the Daishan gods themselves, these guys just made vague references to secret military training and meditation. It's been documented that the KGB had been monitoring various underground occult or spiritual movements within the USSR as early as the 1960s, and eventually even tried to weaponize so-called psychic powers. Apparently, some of the Soviet top res really believed these things were legit. And to this day, some still think that psychotronic battles are waged simultaneously with diplomatic negotiations and play an important role in their outcome. Yeah, clearly, despite the growing tensions between the Romanian and Soviet secret services, they both had members who enthusiastically embraced this sort of mumbo jumbo. In his books, Curuz also argued that the entire Romanian nation was descended from what I can only describe as a polycule of Hyperboreans, Sea People and Geto Dacians. Again, this idea was also picked up and disseminated by comic block gurus. Varain is part of the Octagon, a super-secret spy network bent on avenging the dismantled Securitate and protecting Romania from the shadows. And it's quite the sausage party, complete with a macgyver tech wizard, a skirt-chasing alcoholic and an old commander to keep the boys in check. Naturally, no fictional universe would be complete without a good villain, and it is in the choice of his villains, which he refers to under a collective term of Bubuli, where Korut starts to blend his fiction with a conspiratorial interpretation of historical events, because Bubuli includes both the prime suspects of any conspiracy theory, the Jews, as well as influential people from the USSR slash Russia and Hungary. I mean, we all hate our neighbors, but that's a bit harsh. Now, the inclusion of Russia makes sense considering the rivalries between the national communists and the Moscow-backed comrades, but the inclusion of the country's Western neighbor accomplishes two things. First, it plays on the historic animosity between the two states, stoking nationalist fears of Hungarian revanchism, but at the same time takes away some of the agency from its neighbor by turning it into a proxy through which wider Western interests are played out. What else? Well, if you're going to write a series of novels, why not come up with a winning formula of themes that you keep rehashing? Uh, here are some of his most popular go-tos. 1. The former Secret Services were actually the good guys. 2. Jingoism and a constant suspicion of foreigners. 3. Civil War. It nearly happened, you guys, I swear. four. Romania is both infinitely and cosmically blessed and permanently sabotaged, hated, adored, never ignored, Kurutz had good reasons to want to launder his former employer's reputation. The turmoil of 1989 didn't end with the execution of the dictator and his wife, which, by the way, was broadcasted on air and then rerun for the subsequent 15 years of my life. And, you know, just to take a second here, imagine sitting down at the Christmas table and having to sit through a literal execution every year, you know. Talk about dampening the mood. Oh, and you couldn't watch anything else until the late 90s when people started getting cable. But leaving my personal trauma aside, while the end of the Ceaușescu couple offered some relief, It didn't provide any closure in terms of what had happened in those late December days. As news about the attempted escape of the dictator spread, people took to the streets to celebrate and voice their demands and hopes in public, only to be randomly shot at by people whose allegiance remains uncertain to this day. To this confusion, Koruzi's novels added a rather fanciful twist, in which up was down and the bad were good, actually. In the Octagon series, the Romanian secret services, far from being the ones enforcing the dictator's regime, had been planning a peaceful removal of Ceausescu way before December 1989. However, the desperately Bubul hoarded their plans by orchestrating the coup that eventually led to the execution of Ceausescu. So the Securitate always had the best interests of the nation at heart, really. And since they weren't responsible for the coup, there was no bloodshed that they could be blamed for. And you know, if there was, well, the numbers were artificially inflated anyhow. Don't believe your eyes. In any case, this revelation leads us to point two and three, distrust of foreigners because they are up to no good. Just what kind of no good is revealed in one of the novels as Agent Varain spies on a meeting held between Gorbachev and George Bush in Malta. According to this bargain bin James Bond, three scenarios were laid out for the future of Romania. One was a return to pre World War II monarchy with a puppet king that would receive orders from the real masters, whomsoever those should be. Another one was to cause a civil war, <laughs> divvy up the country and give a slice to the Americans and another one to the Russians. The third option is the one that Romanian readers would have found the most familiar, as it was basically a plan to just unleash capitalism upon an unsuspecting nation and let it run its course. Deindustrialization, dismantling of the social safety net, privatization of public services and assets to enrich a few, yada yada yada. Whether you're from the East or West, North or South, you know how this story goes. And while ideas about gender roles and family were not a focal point of Kurutsu's novels, when asked, the man didn't disappoint and had a predictably conservative and traditionalist disposition. Because sure, mind wars and aliens and global conspiracies across the ages, that we can imagine, but seeing women as equal partners and complete human beings rather than dolls? (laughs) Come on, that's just crazy talk. (laughs) Another point that is constantly reinforced in Kurutzi's books is that everybody wants to tear down the Octagon, because they are just so good, y'all. So, so good, actually, that at some point, Agent Varain gets noticed by the alien mission to Earth, led by the Dacian god Zamolxis himself, mind you. Marries an alien lady, has a baby, and becomes an alien god himself. I I I bet your boss won't even give you a cost of living adjustment let alone a boost on the evolutionary ladder but it's all in a day's work for Pete Finally, over the years, Korutz developed quite a hard-on for the mythical Dacians, and I say mythical because while the historical Dacians were, you know, decent ancestors to have I guess, all things considered, they were neither the chosen people nor the cradle of civilization. They were not the descendants of giants or the love children of aliens and unicorns or whatever, and really that's fine, more people should feel comfortable about not being special few people actually are and you know what those guys who think they're special fuck those guys Of course, as Koruz points out, his novels are just fiction, and it's all for the sake of telling a riveting story, or is it? Nah, actually, he was constantly obfuscating and hinting at there being hidden clues about history in his books. The idea that my fans are special because they can read between the lines is a constant not just of the man's work, but also of his interviews. While some of the more esoteric and outlandish ideas expressed by Koruta and his colleagues remain marginal, such as gods and the weird mythology stuff, the vague idea of national betrayal and of being used and abused by more powerful outside actors caught on, especially as it seemed like the most straightforward explanation for the cascading crises that overwhelmed the country. died in 2021, even though he had told his readers and his friends that he would will himself into living until the age of 120. Funny how that didn't work out. Although he did complain he had been mercilessly attacked by psychotronic warriors prior to him kicking the bucket. Unfortunately, his influence has outlived him. The doubt he had initially sowed in the minds of his countrymen about their recent past and the outside world slowly turned inwards, leading to a deep distrust of institutions and fellow humans. In the decades following the revolution, many others followed in the footsteps of Pavel Korutz. We had channels dedicated to conspiracy theories a la Infowars. We had political parties formed around groups sharing conspiratorial ideas. And inevitably, we've seen mainstream media channels and personalities trying to co opt some of these ideas and audiences for their own benefit. Oh, and uh, we had a sex cult as well at some point. Over time, Romanians have grown increasingly suspicious not only of politicians, but also other figures of authority, such as doctors or scientists. As the healthcare system struggled following years of underfunding and a host of other shady practices we've talked about before, public health basics such as vaccination or going for regular checkups were neglected. Of course, weirdos who think that flailing their arms around your body is some sort of healing ritual have stepped in to fill that gap. And while they do the shamanic Macarena dance, uh, these guys also give you their in-the-know opinion on foreign politics, history, and even linguistics. Because there's a world of truths out there that they don't want you to know about. So who are you going to listen to? Some boring idiot who spend their life specializing in their field? Or the guy who claims he can zap you with his brainwaves, but has instead chosen to use his power for good and is fighting a psychotronic battle with aliens as we speak? you brave and patient enough to reach the end of this video, thanks a bunch, it means a lot. If you wish to encourage or critique such productions in the future, go wild and leave a comment, like and subscribe, if you haven't already. Check out the video description for links to my sources and any other platforms on which I am fairly active. And until next time, stay dry and avoid those nasty psychotronic blasts.